Thank you for having me. Um, I speak occasionally here once or twice a year, and I uh, wanted to update you all. A year and a half ago, <clears throat> I gave a, a, a sermon and an illustration where uh, I talked about my family going through customs. And when we go through customs, you know, you got your passport. And we, had, we traveled to Australia with a 10-month-old child. And, and here is my, ten, at the time, this is Wilson's passport picture. And so he's, he's uh, eight months old when we took the picture. And so this is his passport picture. This is how he proves his identity, okay? This, Wilson is now two years old. This is Wilson, what he looks like now. Um, so he... This is, if he were to go travel and, uh, across the world, which he does often, um, he would have to show that picture to prove his identity. And that picture is good for, he's only two years old. That picture is good for five years, another three years. Uh, he's going to look nothing like this. So I'm excited to see. I, we've got to take him out of the country in a couple of years just so he has to show that passport picture. I love it. Um, here's the rest of my uh, kids. Annie's four. Uh, Wilson, as I said, is two. And then we had a, uh, we had a Charlie in April. And so... Uh, that's Charlie. He is a, he's a treat. We named him after Charleston because we've loved our, uh, our time here. We love this town and we love River Ridge Church. So thank you for, for having us, um, my wife and I and, and me up here today. So we're, um, just to recap where we are, we're on the Level Up series, which is all about basically taking the next, uh, next steps in your leadership, in your faith, in your spiritual maturity, in your growth, and your impact uh, in the world around you. And, and in order to do that, we have to take, you know, go up to, like, just take levels in the next process. And so um, I, I thought it was like a video game series, which is, I was really excited about because I love video games. When I was in college, I, uh, me and my friend, we were freshmen, and we entered the freshman talent show. And our talent was our friend had a Super Nintendo, and we played Double Dragon. And we learned that we could take the Double Dragon characters, and just with the buttons, we could, like, make them dance. And we did a whole synchronized dance to Enrique Iglesias' escape. Um, you know, you can run, you can hide, but you can't escape my no, love. No, no Enrique fans? Come on, guys. <laughs> Just me, huh? This is awkward. Um, so, uh, so we would do this. We did this whole dance routine to the entire, uh, to the entire song just with these, with these characters. And so we, we go and we audition for the talent show. And they're like, what's your talent? And we're like, well, we need to bring our TV in. Uh, and so we brought that in. We set it up. We got, made it through auditions, made it onto the talent show. Everyone went to the talent show, and they were just enthralled with what we were doing. They were so amazed. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. That's the most talent I've ever seen. And the whole time, we're like, they're just watching two computer characters dancing to Enrique Iglesias. And me and my friend are just pressing buttons. It was great. But they, we like... We didn't win. They gave us, I think we won. They gave us second place, and I think it was out of principle. I think they had to give someone with real talent first place. So some, some kid who plays the piano won. Like, what is that? Uh, no, he had like a real talent, so he won. And, um, but uh, I, was, I love video games. My, um, when I was growing up, I would go to my neighbor's house, Michael Marcella. I would go to his house, and he had a Sega Genesis. And in Sega, like, we would play these games, you know, play like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, like we play these awesome games, uh, and, and we would always put in like cheat codes, right? Like here's a cheat code that you would enter, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Who knows what game that cheat code is to? For a Hershey bar. Yes. Davin Sigmund, did you say Contra? You're right. Good job. 
I think I heard some contra. I think someone said contra there. And sound booth said contra. Okay. So, had to get rid of the last one. Um, I think there's another one hiding in here. So, if I just chuck one of these, just be, keep your head on a swivel. Um, so, you would put this into contra and, um, and you would get 99 lives. And you could beat the game with 99 lives. It was amazing. It was epic. And, uh, and so you put this in, and then he also had this thing called a Game Genie. And the Game Genie was, uh, it was like this adapter that you put into your console, and then you put the game into the Game Genie, and you could put these codes in, and it would like rewrite the game, and you could do different things and win the game that way. It was like this whole thing, way to cheat the game. And here's, the, here's why I bring this up. Um, there's, no, there's no Game Genie for life. There are no cheat codes for life. You can't just show up, wake up, and, and do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, select, start, BA. You can't do that and, and have this life be easy. Jesus actually promises that this, in this world you will have trouble. And the floodwaters are going to rise in your life. There's going to be hard things. And so that's why we're talking about this series of leveling up in our own spiritual maturity. Because all along the way, while we have these troubles, while we're trying to navigate this crazy chaotic life, Jesus, we're, we're growing closer to Jesus. And we're growing, and he makes it possible for us to wade in the waters and have hope and have purpose. And so in 2 Timothy 2, um, we're actually on this level 3 of, our, uh, of leveling up. So congratulations, you've made it through level 2 and level 1. This is week 3, level 3. And we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And chapters 2 is like, verses 14 to 26 is all about, there's this whole discourse on how to interact with people. How to have good conversations and speak gentleness and how to, how to stay away from arguments. It's honestly, if you want to know how to act on Facebook, read this. If you need to know this, if you're sitting next to someone, maybe tell them later. Don't nudge them now. Uh, say, hey, read 2 Timothy 2. Uh, but if, you, if you're just curious, like, how do I engage and interact in relationships online and offline, read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. And I'm going to focus right now, in the middle of it, Paul writes this, this parable. It's just smack dab in the middle of it. Just a couple verses. And it's this beautiful picture. Um, Warren Wearsby says uh, about parables, he says, parables are pictures, they are uh, windows, mirrors, and they're windows. Pictures, mirrors, and windows. They're a picture because they paint this scene that you can look at and help understand. You can see this picture. They're a mirror because you can kind of hold it up in front of yourself and look at it and look at your life and examine yourself. See, where am I? What am I doing? Like, what do I need to change? How, do I, how am I doing well? And you kind of examine where you are in your life. And it's a window because you get to look out and look out and to see what, uh, how God has designed this life and what he has in store and the way he thinks this life ought to go. And so I'm going to start off, we're going to kind of pull that mirror up and as we look at this parable, and, um, and we're going to ask this question, where are you? I'm going to start with the question, I'm going to end with the same question, where are you? All right, so here we go. We're, we're going to start. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20. Here's this little parable that he uses. Paul says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. 
So what he's saying is here, here he's saying there's in a house, you've got two sets of plates, two sets of dishes, two sets of utensils. One is this gold and silver, and you would roll these out. If you were inviting someone of honor or someone you respected or just anyone into your house, you would serve them your beautiful dishes, these beautiful, useful, honorable dishes, and they would eat off of these things. It was clean. It was honorable. There was also these other dishes in the house made of wood and clay, and these were vessels that were used to take out the garbage. They would, they would take out the garbage. They were dirty. They were dishonorable. In fact, you would, never, you would never serve food out of this. In fact, if people were like sick, they didn't have uh, you know, modern plumbing in these times. So uh, if they were sick, they wake up in the middle of the night. And if you had to go, you had to go. And you would take out one of these clay or wooden pots. And you would just, you might go to the bathroom or be sick in this pot. And then you just kind of put a lid over it, stick it to the side. And in the morning, you would take it out. And take it out of the trash. So you've got these two things that Paul's talking about. You've got these honorable uh, dishes used for, uh, for hosting and for serving. And you've got this dishonorable dish for the garbage and the excrement. And I think in our lives, we've got these two going on. There's parts of our lives where we're living, we're living in this uh, space and living this life as God has designed it. Honorable, made for so much more, made to serve and to be presentable. And there's the other side, where we've got the garbage and the waste of our life that's haunted us for years. And so my question is, where are you? Where in your life are you, are you living in these two spaces? And you're living out life as these two vessels. Because I think we have this in our own life. And so, um, <clears throat> and so there's hope, because he goes on in, in chapter, or sorry, in verse 21, the next verse. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You see, there's hope. We can go through this process of going through, once being this waste, this garbage, this one vessel, and God would say, I want to make it right, and I want to restore you and make you this new thing. And I want, you've got to go through this process. And, uh, and another version says this. You can just change his one word. It says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, sanctified. Useful to the master of the house, ready for good, every good work. And that word sanctified stands out. And it stands out to me because it's a very important word that we don't use in this church. It's a very churchy word, and we're not a churchy church, so we don't use it. But this sanctify, what we need to do, and what we're going to talk about in this week three, is we're going to level up in our sanctification. We need to level up in our sanctification, and, to, and I need to define that word, and what sanctification is, is, is the process of being made holy, being set apart. God wants to use you, make you useful for every good work, and we're going to talk about that process, what that looks like. How do we go through that? Where are we? Sanctification, yeah, so there's that two Latin, sancti meaning holy, ification or ified meaning the process or being made into. So the process of being made holy. And this, the Bible talks about this all over the place. So um, like this whole like going from one thing to the next, you were this, now you're this, it's all over. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new, this is you in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 
Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Uh, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's riddled all over the scripture. You were once this thing, and he is making you into something new. You were made for so much more. So we're going to talk about what this process is. And when you talk about transformation, there's one creature that like embodies this, where we talk about you were once this thing, now you're something new. And I read about this thing all the time, and it's, it's the caterpillar. The caterpillar going from, there's a caterpillar right there. It's the hungry caterpillar. Uh, that's a live feed of the hungry caterpillar. Um, but we read about it. It's, it's riddled in children's books. We know about this thing. And I, when I was kind of like researching and reading about it, I was struck by this process that the caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly because I think it's about, it's a, it, it mirrors and um, kind of parallels our own, our own process of sanctification and our own process of change. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go talk through this process of a caterpillar going into a butterfly and what that looks like, and I think you'll see how that parallels our own lives. So here it is. This is a caterpillar. You, a caterpillar, um, yeah, that's a real caterpillar. The caterpillar... Uh, you know, it, it, it's born and it hatches out of an egg. It comes out of an egg and it's got one desire. Its only desire is to eat. It's going to eat, it's going to eat, it's going to eat. It's going to take in everything I can. It looks around, it just eats. It's got this kind of this hunger in itself, this passion, where it's just got to eat. It crawls and it eats. And if you know, like, these things can eat a plant overnight. These things are crazy. They eat, they eat, they eat. And they eat so much that they stretch. And their skin begins to stretch. And when their skin can't stretch anymore, they've eaten so much, they shed their skin. They shed their skin, and then they just keep eating. They just go back to their normal life, crawling, eating, crawling, eating. And they go through this process four times of eating, uh, stretching, and shedding. Actually, this thing eats so much that uh, it's, its natural instinct, it actually, when it hatches out of an egg, it actually eats its way out of its own egg, turns around, and then eats its own egg that it came out of. That's gross, I think. Um, but... So like it eats this egg, you know, it's eating, it's eating, stretching, shedding, stretching, shedding. It goes through that four times, and the fifth time it stretches so much that it can't, it's so full and it's just done. And it goes over, and it finds like a tree or a quiet place, and it, it becomes in a chrysalis. And it actually is like a cocoon that it does. And so it goes into this cocoon, right? This is my cocoon. Oh, so it doesn't like being in here either, by the way. It fights. It's going crazy. It doesn't like it in here. It's, it, wants to be, uh, it wants to be out. And actually, while it's in here and while it's moving, it actually becomes this own little green goo. The entire body of the caterpillar turns into this green goo, and it's fighting. It's fighting. It's crazy. And it turns into this green goo. Oh, my goodness. It's hot in here. Did I lose my mic? I'm going to yell. Oh, hi. Hello? Hi. Okay, so it goes into this, it goes into this process, and actually, um, it's changing right there and then. And when it goes into that process, it, when the, uh, the caterpillar, when it starts in here, it's so simple. It actually starts with about 50 cells. If I walk off the stage, someone will catch me. It starts with about 50 cells. And when it goes through this process and becoming a caterpillar, it transforms the 50 cells to 50,000 cells. It's becoming something entirely unique and new 
And then after a couple weeks, oh, after a couple weeks, it starts to climb out and make its way out. And what it does, I can get out of this. It does, it comes something new. And it's got, <laughs> and it's got wings. And it realizes, hey, I've got these wings. I gotta use these things. So it's got these wings. Is this on? All right. I got these wings. And it starts to like kind of stretch out its wings. It's fight its way out. And it says, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna take off and fly. And this is interesting because unique to monarch butterflies. Monarch butterflies from the northern part of, uh, of America, from this country, they actually fly. When they first take flight, they go, they, they start flying and they fly to one place. They go to Mexico. Because Mexico's awesome. They're like, yeah, we got wings. Where are we going to go? We're going to Mexico. And uh, so they fly to Mexico. And they start flying. And, and, um, and, and all along the way, they're flying. And they, they take breaks, right? And they rest. And where do they rest? They rest on flowers. And they're on these flowers. And they're doing something unique, right? They're pollinating. They're taking in these seeds. And they start to take in these seeds. And then they go to the next flower. And they start germinating. And they start moving. And all along their way, on their way to Mexico, they start spreading these seeds of fruit and flower and goodness and growth. And then they make it to Mexico. And they make it to Mexico, and millions of monarch butterflies every year descend on this kind of like mountain in Mexico. This is, this is in Mexico. These are these like hills in Mexico where uh, like millions of butterflies are coming in. It's called Monarch Kingdom. And the monarchs come, and they, they land there, and, they, and what do they do? They celebrate. The, the town nearby celebrates the monarchs have come. You've made it. You've made it. You've, you've come. You've changed. You've gone this long flight over 2,000 miles. You've made it this whole way. And all along the way, you've been spreading these good seeds wherever you go. And then there's, there's a celebration. And when I look at that and I think about that, I think this is the gospel. This is the gospel like personified or insectified, if you will. Um, like this is... This is the gospel that God has taken you from one thing, this caterpillar is just trudging along, eating whatever you could consume, to now this new thing with wings and made for so much more. And God is celebrating you along the way. I'm taking these off. Oh, all right. Sorry. Okay. All along the way, um, I was to say, this is the gospel. So what I want to talk about is, is your own process of sanctification. Because Paul doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop and say, you go from one thing to another. He talks, he gives, them, gives us some steps. So here are the stages, the levels of, of sanctification. In, re, uh, in 2 Timothy 2.22, it says this. So flee your youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You see, the first thing we got to do, and as we level up in our sanctification, the first process is to flee your youthful desires. Flee your evil desires. Those things that, you've been, that have haunted you and followed you your entire life. What are those things, your addictions, your, uh, the things that you go to to fill your life, what are those things that you've been living out of that keep haunting you? These lies that you believe. For some of us, it's, for some of it's addiction. Well, we're all addicted to something. For some of it, it's, it's like substance stuff. But for, the, for a lot of us, it's also like work. What is, it, what is the lie that you're believing that m- makes you think, I've got to work so hard to prove that I'm worth something? Or be so busy, I need to convince people that I'm so busy that my life means something. Or like consumerism. Like 
The fact that we go out and buy and we think, okay, I'm just going to buy something on Amazon and it'll be here in two days. We're so excited to get this new thing. We just so that we feel good and we get excited. We're tracking it for two days. We know it's going to be there in two days, but we're still tracking it. And we're going to track it for two days. It shows up at our door. We're open it. We're excited. And then we go on Amazon and buy something else. And we're like, two days, here it comes, something new. What is this lie that we're believing? This old habit, this old way of life. You've been called for something so much more. Run away from those things. Flee it. It's not just enough to like, you can't just run away from something. If you really want to run away from something, you've got to run towards something else. So Paul says instead of fleeing, don't just flee, but you've got to pursue. And pursue righteousness. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, think about such things. You can't just, you, you can't just um, run away. You've got to run towards Run towards this righteousness, this new way of life. This, not, not the garbage, but this new, this new way of life. And here's the thing, what I would say about this. Um, you have, you, if, you've been living this old life a lot longer. Like I, I, there's reasons and there are times where when we are going through this life, we're pursuing Christ, pursuing God, we're doing a good job, and we just kind of like shed that righteousness skin and we go back to our old life. And we go back into these habits that just kind of like, just haunt us. Here's the thing. I, I work with teenagers, and they're high school students, 18 years old, 18 year old kids, who ha, they decide, "Hey, I'm in for Jesus," and we and we expect them to change right then and there. But that's not realistic. They're much more used to this old way of life than they are this new. They've been living it for 18 years. They've been living this new life for a day. Like we, we there's a reason we go back to our old stuff. It's just because we're used to it. It's comfortable. It's what we know. It's our old habit. It's our old way of life. So you keep growing, you keep changing, you keep pursuing this new way of life. And the only way to, uh, to do that is to, to trust and to surrender everything. And that's when we pursue faith. If you pursue faith, why, why, I think why faith is in there is because you need to understand that God is working in you. And if the only way to have faith in that is to have faith that God, what God is working in you is greater than what you once were. You, Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. He is working something great in you. If, you want, if you're wondering, like, does God do good work? Look around you. Look at the world around you. Uh, Psalm 111 verse 2 says, um, oh, I forgot it. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in him. Look, God is the great master. He's the great creator. He is creating you. You are his piece of work. You are his piece of art. He's working something in you to do something more, to live more, to go from one thing to the next. You know, it's easy to see growth in others than ourselves because we're so critical of ourselves. If you're wondering, like, hey, how have I grown? Grab a friend. Grab someone and say, hey, how have you seen me grow? How have you seen me change? And they'll tell you, and they'll say, look at, what the, look at what the Lord has done in your life. It's amazing. And then we pursue love. And, and love, this one thing, just all this change, all this thing, like if we're going into change, looking for Christ, it's going to be rooted in something inside of us. There's something inside of us that, is, that, is, that longs for something more. What is, what, what, is what, you're, what is it that you're looking for? You see, um, in that caterpillar the, of those 50 cells, there's one cell that goes unused until it goes into the chrysalis. There's one cell of the 50 that never gets used, and then it goes into the chrysalis. And then once it's used, it, creates, it turns into those 50,000 cells. You have a latent desire in you to seek and want more. Ecclesiastes 3.10 says, for um, you have eternity. I've written eternity on your hearts. In your own being, you have a desire and a longing 
And God said, I want to grow into that. So we pursue faith, we pursue love, and then last, we pursue righteousness. Or I'm sorry, pursue peace. And I love this peace with God that only God can offer. It's, you know, another word for peace is shalom, which is, uh, I like saying it's nothing missing, nothing broken. Where God has restored your life and he's working in you. And when God works in you and he changes you and you've got these wings and you're ready to go on, God is sending you. He's sending you out. He's sending you out somewhere. Do you know where he's sending you? He's sending you to Mexico. No, that's not true. Um, He's sending you out into the world. He's sending you out to go spread the good seeds and and go spread the good seeds of the gospel and and tell the testimony of the change that's happened in your life and what you're doing and where you're headed. And we celebrate that growth. We celebrate what God is doing in our lives. So, kind of started off the same, started off with the question, where are you? I'm going to end with that same question. Where are you? Are you living in this life of this old vessel? What parts of you are still there? I'm sure there's some of you who are like, I'm kind of in between. And some of you guys are saying, I'm all there. And, and so I'm asking, where are you? Where do you need to run away from where do you need to run away from this old, youthful, uh, evil desires and where do you need to pursue something else? And let me tell you this. If you could sum up the, those last four steps, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, you could sum that up just by just saying pursue Jesus. Jesus is those things. You're only offered this life because Jesus has, has, has bought it for you and he's lived it out for you. In a moment, we're going to take, take communion. And, uh, and communion is just remembering what God has done for us. And uh, 1 Corinthians 11 says that when you go before the table, when you go before the communion, examine your heart. Examine your life. You see, God has made you and he's bought you. He bought you with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when we pass out these elements, when we pass out the, the bread, that is representing God, Jesus' body which was broken for you. And the cup represents his blood, which was shed for you. Not so you feel bad for Jesus, so that you can go from this one life to a new. You were made for so much more. You were made to be in a a holy relationship with, with the God of the universe. And now as we pass these out, I want you to know this is only, the communion is only for those who would call themselves believers, those who would call themselves followers of Christ. It doesn't matter really, and we're all kind of in this going through our own growth right here, but if you call yourself a follower of Christ, please take and eat and drink and remember what God has done for you. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, if you're not following him, if you would not call yourselves a Christian, then first off, you pass, pass on these. And I would say that one, that's totally fine. And two, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because you get to look into all these people around you. And you get to look into the life that God made you for and he bought you for. And he's inviting you into this new life. He's inviting you into a life with him. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, I pray that I, I would just offer that to you. He's inviting you. He's saying, come on home. I've got so much more for you. Stop living this old life got something new. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to pass these out after I pray. No one's going to tell you when to take it. No one's going to tell you when to eat. No one's going to tell you when to drink. You just sit there in silence and and your time with the Lord. 
and examine yourselves. Where are you? How are you doing living in the life that God has built you for? And after a while, um, the band will invite you to worship with us. So let me pray. Lord God, we praise you. God, thank you for being here in this moment. Thank you for every person in this room. Lord, we all were once astray. We all were once walking away. But Lord, you still died for us. And you offer us a new life, a new hope, a new purpose. God, I pray for each person here as we examine our lives and look at our lives and think about where we're doing. Lord, I pray that we would not feel any sort of condemnation. Lord, there's no condemnation in your son, Jesus, Lord, but we would be fulfilled and recognize how much you love us and what a life you have planned for us. God, I pray as we, as we take the, the cup and the bread, God, that we would remember all that you did for us, that while we were still sinners, you still died for us. Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for everyone in this room. I pray that we have a real intimate moment with, with you right now. Amen.